Good morning. Thomas Edison, the famous American inventor, uh, made many devices that greatly influenced the world around us, including the phonograph, motion picture, cameras, um, practical electrical light bulbs, uh, so on and so forth. And, and we know that uh, as Thomas Edison was creating uh, the light bulb, he had over a thousand failed attempts. A thousand failed attempts as, as he set out to uh, create this modern wonder, which uh, has totally changed and transformed our entire lives. I mean, here we are sitting in a room with light bulbs because Thomas Edison tried over a thousand times to get it right. The, the problem was the bulb that he created, it wasn't long lasting um, and, and it wasn't uh, practical for people because it was so expensive. And so these were the obstacles uh, that he was seeking to overcome is how do we make a light bulb that is, um, you know, long lasting and is going to be practical for average people to buy. The problem was the filament. The, the filament continued to burn out. It, it just didn't work. But then there was a breakthrough. The breakthrough was um, he, he figured out he could use bamboo where the filament was, and it was a cheap renewable resource, and, and it made lighting affordable for everyone, and now there are light bulbs everywhere. There, there was this breakthrough, and, and we can look all throughout history and see that these type of scientific and medical and social breakthroughs have essentially shaped our entire world. It, they, they, were, they were stuck. He couldn't figure out what to do, but then all of a sudden, this thing happened, and, and there, was a, there was a breakthrough. And, and not just um, scientifically and socially have breakthroughs shaped our world, but, but even the breakthroughs in our own life have shaped who we are today. I mean, just, just think about when, when you were in, in college or, you know, when, when you were young, you, you thought you were going to be alone forever, right? Totally sad, bummed out, but, but then you met him or then you, then you met her and, and then all of a sudden it was like, it was a total breakthrough, like somebody that would actually put up with you. I mean, it was a total breakthrough and, and so you, you get married and, and everything changes and, and, and you're trying to have kids and, and, and you're just struggling through that and, and you don't know if that's ever going to happen, but then a breakthrough happens and, and boom, there's kids or you're, you're in this work situation, you don't know how you're going to afford the new house, but then a breakthrough happens at your work and, and now things are Things are different, and so we, we can look out at our lives and see that there are big changes that happen in our life when a breakthrough happens. All of us can identify with a time when we were stuck, when we felt hopeless, when we felt um, that, that nothing was ever going to change, but then that breakthrough happened, and now things are different. And some of us find ourselves in a place where we need a breakthrough today. Some of you have come in this morning and maybe it's a slight whisper in your heart. God, I, I, I need a breakthrough today, God. Others of you are here this morning and your heart isn't whispering at all. It's yelling, God, I need a breakthrough you're, you're stuck in this, in this marriage where there, there's no communication. The emotional and physical intimacy is next to nothing. And you're saying, God, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. Would you, would you do something, God? You're, you're stuck in this work situation to where you, you can't move up um, and you can't afford to get out. And you feel stuck in that work situation. And you're, and you're crying out to God this morning, God, I need a, I need a breakthrough here. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with discontentment. And just whatever you get, whatever you buy, uh, whatever happens in your life, you just feel like it's not good enough and there's always something more. And you know that's a sickness in your heart and you're begging, God, would you just give me, just give me a breakthrough? Maybe it's an addiction that, that you're struggling. Maybe it's drugs and alcohol or pornography and you just feel stuck and you're going, I'm never going to get out of this cycle. And what I need, God, is a breakthrough. Maybe it's anger and bitterness that you just can't shake and you feel like, you know what? I feel angry and bitter today because of what people have said to me and what people have done to me. And I feel that way today and I'm probably gonna feel that way tomorrow because I know I've been feeling that way for the last six months and it's probably never gonna change. I'm stuck. God, would you give me a breakthrough? Now, usually at this point I say, hey, I know I'm the only one who's asking God for a breakthrough today. 
Um, but I know that to not be true. I know that there are people in this room who are crying out to God this morning, God, would you, would you break through? Would, would, you, would you step in? Would you make good on your promises, God? I need, I need a breakthrough in my life. So for many of us, as it stands right now, we feel stuck. You know you need a breakthrough, and that's many of us this morning. So right here in the beginning moments of the sermon, let me just give the whole sermon away. And if you're taking notes, I, I encourage you to write this down. Cling to Jesus for your breakthrough. You see, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know he is the God who breaks through. Cling to Jesus for, for your breakthrough. We're, we're looking for a breakthrough in our marriage, in our, in our work, and in our home situation. So some of you guys are just overwhelmed with your kids, right? And any moms or dads just over, totally overwhelmed with your kids, and, and you're going, I need a breakthrough here, right? That's, God makes kids cute so we don't kill them. <laughs> and you're saying, God, I need, a, I need a breakthrough here. And so cling to Jesus for your breakthrough. Listen, I don't know how he's going to do it. And, and I, don't, I don't even know when he's going to do it. But I know that God is the God who does break through. And so it makes sense for us just to cling to him for the breakthrough that we're asking him for. You see, God has a history of breaking through. In the darkness, he broke through with light. Just imagine the, the Trinitarian Godhead of the universe um, being all-encompassing, hanging out <clears throat> essentially with himself. And where there was total, utter darkness, he, he breaks through and says, uh, let there be light. And on a barren planet, he breaks through with life. In Genesis chapter 6, man was doing only evil continually, and God breaks through with a flood and cleanses us and preserves us in Noah. God's people are in slavery in Egypt, and there is no way out. They are helpless, and they are hopeless, but God breaks through and sets them free from Egypt. Then they get trapped with the Egyptian army at their back in the sea in front of them. They're hopeless, helpless, no way out, but then God breaks through and parts the sea and they're able to pass through. When it seemed like Goliath was going to slaughter the entire Jewish nation, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God breaks through. The nation is in peril. The people are running far away from God, but God breaks through and he sends them prophets, priests, and kings to guide them back into a loving relationship with him. When the odds are impossible, when it seems like there is no way out, when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object, God breaks through. That's what he does. God is the God who breaks through. If you need a breakthrough today, then cling to Jesus. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it, but he is the God who breaks through. I need some help this morning. Amen from anybody. So when we say cling to Jesus, we mean believe on him. We mean trust on him. We mean cling to him through his word. We mean cling to Jesus through prayer. So, so we say, cling to Jesus for your breakthrough because he is the God who breaks through. Now, that's the sermon. My prayer this week um, ha has been that God would give somebody a breakthrough today and this week. I've been praying that prayer over you this week. And specifically in areas of my life, I've been asking God, God, I, I know in this area, I need a breakthrough from you, God. In this area, I know I need a breakthrough from you. So, so would you bring that? And I'm praying even now in the spirit uh, that, that God would bring a breakthrough for you today. So last week we started this great gospel of Mark. Um, God has given us a great privilege to travel through this together as a, as a church family. And so last week we did all the background, all the setup, um, probably way more information than anyone ever needs to know, uh, but that's what we did. And so we, we endeavor to set the table so that we could uh, dive right in today. And so let's go ahead and do that and look at this great introduction to the gospel of Mark Verse 1, here's what it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, if you take your Bibles 
and you flip to where the uh, Old Testament meets the New Testament, you've got this one little page here, okay? Your, your Bibles will usually do that. You're looking at the Old Testament, the very end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, okay? Um, then you flip that one page over and you have your New Testament Bible. What this page right here represents, church family, is 4,000, I'm sorry, 400 years of silence from God. The book of Malachi ends and God stops speaking to his people for 400 years. They have the Old Testament scriptures and they're reading them and following them. They have the temple system, but God sends no prophet to speak to his people. In addition, um, at this point in time, the Jewish people are in a really bad way. They are under Roman rule. They are being oppressed by their government. They are socially, economically, and religiously being oppressed. Not only that, not only has God not spoken to them in 400 years, not only are they socially, religiously, and economically being oppressed as a people by the Roman government, in addition, they're walking through all of these steps in the temple system to where they're making sacrifices for their sins, they're killing these animals, they're doing all this stuff, but deep in their hearts, they know they are still sinners and are far from God. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think those people needed a breakthrough? They, they find themselves in this place where God is not speaking. They find themselves in this place of, of pressure and oppression. They find themselves in this place where their hearts are longing to be made right with God. And then they're, and they're saying, God, would you give us a breakthrough, God? We, we need you to break through in this situation here. And so that's why as we read the very beginning of this amazing gospel, it opens up the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, that's the breakthrough. God breaks through as he speaks this word, this life into Mark, and as he pins this great gospel account for us. This is God breaking through in and to his, to his people. It begins with the beginning. What, what does that remind us of? It reminds us of Genesis in the beginning. What, what this gospel account opens up with is this picture that is on par with the creation of the entire universe. And the reason that it's on par with the creation of the entire universe is because Jesus comes as the inauguration of a brand new creation. He, he comes to essentially change everything. His, his appearance is the beginning sign that all things are going to be made right. All things are going to be put back together and all, things are going to, all the broken things are going to be mended. Um, for those of you who know, um, out at the uh, McDonald farm, our, our family place, we, we have chickens. And um, recently a fox came and... Uh, you know, had them for, for his supper. Um, and, and so we're explaining this to our uh, four-year-old Lydia, and, and she turns and, and looks and says, Dad, why did the fox eat our chickens? And I said, well, that's what foxes do. And she said, but that's not right. And I said, that's true. That's not right. Listen, there was something inside of her little tiny heart that realized things are not supposed to be this way. They're not supposed to be this way. We're living and existing in a broken system, a broken world. But the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that, that new creation, the inauguration of this new creation to where Jesus comes um, so he can save his people. And ultimately, he's coming back again for the fulfillment of the new creation to where all things will be mended. All the broken things will be put back together. And that's the future that we are looking for. That's the prayer that we're crying. Come, Lord Jesus, come so that there will be the fulfillment of that in the beginning, that new creation that is signaled here. Mark says, the beginning. The beginning of what? Well, the beginning of the gospel. The gospel. We, we here at this church, we love the gospel, do we not? We love it so much we put it in our name. We are Gospel Community Church. We, we love the gospel. 
And so as Mark writes, we, we know that he is uh, speaking to a predominantly Gentile audience. And they would have understood this word uh, gospel. In the Greek, it's euangelion. They, they would have known this word. It would have said in the beginning uh, of the euangelion or the gospel. They would have known and understood this word because um, as they lived in their cities and societies with monarchs and kings, um, when the king would go out to battle and he would kill the enemy, what would happen is they would send a forerunner or a town crier or a herald back into the city. And what that herald or that town crier uh, would say is he would say, euangelion, euangelion, the king has defeated our enemy. Or he would say, good news, good news. We're victorious. We're safe now because of Caesar or we're safe now because of King so-and-so. And so this was a common cultural expression uh, that they would have understood. Uh, they would have understood. But not only is it a common cultural expression to say the gospel, they, they would understand it that way. Mark is also pulling uh, this word from the Old Testament. It, it, he is not creating a unique word culturally or from the Bible uh, because we, we find this word good news or euangelion in the Old Testament. Just read here from Isaiah 61 uh, verses 1 through 3. I've meditated on this scripture here all week long. It is incredible. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. There, there's our word that, that Mark is picking up on and, and keying us in or cluing us into what he means when he says gospel. So what good news is he talking about? Well, it's a good news to the poor. Anybody poor this morning? I, I don't just mean financially, but I mean poor in spirit. I mean poor in relationships. And yes, possibly poor in finance. Bringing good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted. Anybody brokenhearted today and, and needing a breakthrough? Well, this is the good news for those people. Bringing good news to the poor, he has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. Is, is anyone feeling bound in their spirit today? Just, there, there's a wall that I just can't break through. I'm bound today, God, and, and I need to, to, to get through this. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The good news is that God is breaking through to reach the brokenhearted. To break through and reach those um, who, who feel captive and bound and trapped in their life and in their circumstances. That's who God is breaking through to get to today. Friends, that's you. You are the brokenhearted. You are the trapped. I am the brokenhearted. I am the trapped. And God breaks through. This is the good news that God is breaking through to the broken people. So, very interesting. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so we can ask, what is this gospel of breaking through? What, what is this? What is it? Or better question, who is it? This is less of a what and more of a who. You see, for Mark, the good news is not a set of rules to follow. For Mark, the gospel is not a philosophical perspective or values to be held. The gospel is more than a set of truths to be believed. The gospel is more than a series of historical events. For Mark, the gospel is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the good news. Jesus Christ is the good news because he is the one who binds up the brokenhearted. Jesus is the one who sets the captives free. Jesus is the one through the power of his spirit that plants mighty oaks of righteousness. Jesus is the good news. So, so if you're taking notes, I, I told you to cling to Jesus for your breakthrough because he is your breakthrough. So some of us are saying, God, if you could just get me out of this situation, that would be my breakthrough. 
God, if you could just fill up my bank account, man, that would be my breakthrough. If you could get me out of this work situation, that would be my breakthrough. If you would give me more self-control, then that would be my breakthrough. If you would make me feel more content in these circumstances, then that would be my breakthrough. And, and, and the answer is no, Jesus is your breakthrough. He himself is what your heart is really longing for. So, so pushing away and getting beyond all of the things that only we can see when you get deep down into your soul, what it is that you're really longing for, this breakthrough that you're really desiring is Jesus himself. So the truth is, you need Jesus because he is your breakthrough. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. There are three titles here given to this man, Jesus. The first is Jesus, then Christ, then Son of God. Th these titles are incredibly uh, significant. Jesus, uh, th this is the Hebrew word Yeshua, uh, where we would get our common and modern name Joshua. It means God is salvation. Jesus Christ, okay, I don't know if you know this or not, um, Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? It, it is actually a title that he carries. Um, th this word Christ is, is meaning Messiah. He is the promised one from the Old Testament. When it says Christ, this is um, Kyrios or Lord. Th this is referring to his kingship, this is saying that this is the gospel of a coming king. There, there's going to be a ruler to show up and rule over us. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus, God is our salvation, Christ, that is Christ the Lord, the Son of God is the third title that he's given here. Now, many liberal scholars have stumbled over this Son of God term. When they look at this term, Son of God, which happens to be Mark's favorite uh, reference to Christ in this gospel account, uh, he constantly is referring to Jesus as the Son of God. And again, many people stumble over this because if Jesus is the Son of God, that means they would reason that he was then created by God and therefore second to God. And then we would say, therefore, not God. Because uh, if it is a created thing, it is not God. Because if it's created, then it can't be God because we would ask what created the thing that created that thing, right? So, so there, it needs to be the original source. And so people look at that and they say, well, he's the son of God. He's not equal, uh, co-equal with God. The problem is we're viewing that term from our societal lenses, we live in a very individualistic society. They did not. They lived in a very family-oriented society. Uh, here's what I mean. Uh, in first century Palestine, if your dad was a farmer, guess what you grew up to be? A farmer. That's how that worked. Um, that's how their society was structured. As the son, as the firstborn son, you took over the family business. That house became your house. That land became your land. All of the tools became your tools. Um, essentially, you had the same power, the same authority, and the same ability as your father because you were his son. And that's the understanding. So let me ask you, does anyone other than God himself, share the same authority, power, and ability, right? So when it says son of God, it means God's son, meaning Jesus Christ, is of the same substance as God the Father, meaning Jesus is God. This is the Trinitarian Godhead in which we believe in and serve God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are distinct and separate persons, yet they are one God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's a pretty good introduction, isn't it? Now, verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. So 
just as soon as he announces the good news of Jesus, he shifts over to the one who is announcing the good news of Jesus. He's announcing the good news of Jesus, and he shifts over to the one who is announcing the good news of Jesus. He begins by saying, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Now, here he is quoting from Isaiah 40, verse 3, which says this, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. And so he is pulling, he knows his Old Testament and he's trying to explain to us um, this character that is about to come on the scene. And he's saying, hey, that guy that Isaiah was talking about, this is that guy. And so he's pulling from this section of text. Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way. This was, again, a common understanding for them because as kings or dignitaries would enter into a town or a city, they wanted those kings to enter into those towns and cities in a very glorified and dignified way. The problem is um, they hadn't created pavement and and, uh, very complex road systems yet. So what they would do is as the king was approaching the town or city, again, they would send the town crier to go announce, hey, king so-and-so's coming. Hey, you know, the bishop of, you know, wherever is coming, get ready, get ready. But they would also fix the roads. So if there was a pothole, you know, they'd get some dirt and fill in that pothole. If there was a boulder in the way, they'd move that. You know, if there was a big hump in the road, they'd, you know, level that out so that as the king and his chariot came in, he would be seen as very glorified and dignified. So they were preparing the way. They were um, making those paths straight. And so they would understand uh, what is being said here when Mark says it. So it's clear that a king is coming and that someone is going to set the entrance uh, for the greatest breakthrough the world has ever known. So the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. As As I meditated on this text this week, I started to feel like that was a little bit strange. A voice of one crying in the wilderness. So, so, Why wilderness? If you want a lot of people to know the king is coming, doesn't that seem like a strange place to go? Where no one is. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Hey, dude, no one's here. (laughs) So shouldn't it say, uh, we'll prepare your way, the voice of one crying from the city square? The voice of one crying uh, at the city gates. The, The voice of one crying off the tallest rooftop. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way for the coming king. Why the wilderness? Well, we always try to get God to do the things the way we think he ought to do them. No, God, wilderness is wrong. You're wrong. It needs to be the city center, not the wilderness. God, you're doing it wrong. And and so as we're begging God and calling out to God, God, we want you to give us this breakthrough. We want this breakthrough in our marriage, and I'm going to tell you how to do it. Here's how you do it, God. You fix my spouse. (laughs) Because if you would fix them, then I would get the breakthrough. And God says, no, I'm not about and trying to do the things the way you want me to do them. I'm God. I do the things the way I want to do them. I'm not worried about him right now. I'm not worried about her right now. I'm worried about working on you. And so as we look at that, we're going, no, God, you're doing it wrong. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm doing it the way I'm going to do it because I'm God. And I know better than you. And my plans are better than you because I'm smarter than you. So this is God's plan was to send his messenger into the wilderness. Verses four and five, John appeared. You gotta love Mark. No background, no context, no nothing. John, John who? Where does this guy come from? What does he look like? What's going on? We're in the dark here. John appeared. Boom, there he is. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Again, if, if you want to grow a big congregation, if you want to get a big following, go to the city center. Proclaim on the city square. Go to, to the city gates, right? That's where if you're going to gain a big following, go there. Nope, John goes out in the middle of nowhere, and guess what? The people go to him. So, John appeared. How did John appear? Very quickly, again, Mark does not give us that information, but in the other gospel accounts, we have that information. There was a priest named Zechariah, and uh, he had a wife named Elizabeth, and they were old, older, sorry, I can't call people old. They were older uh, in, their, in their age, and, and they had yet to conceive children because Elizabeth uh, was unable to have children, and Zechariah was serving in, in the temple, and all of a sudden, an angel appeared to him and said, hey, you're going to have a son. His name is going to be John, and oh yeah, by the way, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. Um, later on, uh, obviously that comes true and Elizabeth is with child and she goes to see Mary, the mother of Jesus, because Elizabeth and Mary are cousins. And, and when uh, Elizabeth sees Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus is in her womb, John leaps in his mother's womb. He's so excited uh, about Jesus. As the boys grow up, John um, obviously goes out into the wilderness. He begins his ministry. Um, his ministry grows. Obviously, we just saw that all of Judea and Jerusalem are going out uh, to see him. Jesus says this about John. He says, of women, there has not been born a greater man. That's a pretty good compliment, especially considering the source. So all of these people are going out to John. John is, you know, the most popular Christian speaker on the circuit. You know, uh, he, he's writing all the books. He's, you know, everybody's retweeting John's tweets. Um, he, he is really, really popular and everybody's going out to him. And so some of his followers start asking him about Jesus. And here is what John says. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. This was crazy because people were so enthralled with John, uh, the baptizer, they were even thinking that he was the Christ. And so how simple would it have been for him just to say, yeah, I pretty much am. But no, he, he directs attention away from himself and points people to Christ as the one in the wilderness saying, hey, it's not about me, it, it's about him. Don't, don't cling to me for your breakthrough. Listen, I'm not your breakthrough. I'm pointing you to the one who is, though. So cling on to him. Cling to Jesus because he's, he's your breakthrough. I'm just here telling you about him. So there he is baptizing. This is very interesting. Uh, we know that he is called John the Baptist, right? Why is he called the Baptist? Well, because he went to the first Baptist church, right? Right? He, he agreed with the 19, or 1689 London Baptist Confession, and that's what made him a Baptist, Right? No, he, he's called John the Baptist. Literally in the Greek, it's John the Baptizer uh, because that's what he was doing. He was baptizing people. Obviously, this was a sign or a symbol of cleansing, of, of spiritual and moral renewal as he's calling people to repent. And as a sign, he's dunking them under the water. Now, you have to understand, this was so interesting to me in, in my study this week, um, while the Jewish people had cleansing rites that they went through with washing their hands and washing their food dishes, while they had cleansing spiritual rites um, that, that they would do um, as far as before they would go into the temple and make sure they're clean and cleansed, they didn't do baptisms. That is, going down into the water and being fully submersed. The, the Jewish people didn't do that. Here's who did that proselytes. Now, that's a very fancy word for someone who was not Jewish yet wanted to follow Yahweh God. The Jewish people would accept in someone uh, who was not of Jewish descent, and, and they would say, okay, you want to follow Yahweh God? You want to, you know, act like us, do what we do? That's fine, but you have to go down into the water and be baptized, and we'll baptize you, and then you can be a part of the Jewish faith. Now, here's what's so interesting about that. The Jewish people believed they were God's chosen people. They were told that by God, which in their hearts created an amazing sense of pride. We are way better than those people. 
But here, John is telling them, repent and be baptized because you're a sinner just like the Gentiles. Nobody is better than anybody else. We've all disqualified ourselves. We've all walked away from God. We've all ignored him. We are all the brokenhearted. We are all the bound up. That's, that's us, all of us, Jew or Gentile. So it doesn't matter who your dad was. It doesn't matter who your family is. You need Jesus. Here in the South, people like, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah, well, my granny went to church. Okay, great. Do you know Jesus? Well, I grew up in the church. Yeah, do you know Jesus? Well, I have an ESV Bible. Okay, great. Do you know Jesus? Because listen, all are sinners. No one is better than anybody else. The cross makes an even playing field. Nobody gets to sit up on a high horse and, and look down at anybody else because we're all sinners in need of God breaking through to come and get us. So John is calling them to repent and be baptized. Now, make sure you are not what is keeping you from your breakthrough. Let me say that again. Make sure you are not what is keeping you from your breakthrough. John calls the people to repent. He, he's saying, you, you need to take a step forward. Listen, there, there is no uh, magic formula to make God do anything, okay? So listen, I'm not up here saying today, hey, if you, if you want a breakthrough in your life, you, here's what you need to do. God's gonna break through for you if you do this, this, and this. Here's the magic formula. I'm gonna give it in three-point application. If you leave out of here today and you do this, this, and this, boom, God is gonna break through in your finances or God's gonna break through in your work situation if you'll just follow these three steps. Listen, you cannot manipulate God into doing anything. That's why I'm saying cling on to Jesus for your breakthrough. I don't know how and I don't know when, and I'm not making those type of promises. But there are things that we do in our lives that hinder God from breaking through. That is, sin is the greatest hindrance for God breaking through in your life. John was calling them to repent. You see, God loves to break through to repentant hearts. That's, that's when God loves to break through. God loves to break through to the brokenhearted, not the proud-hearted. God loves to break through to people who say, I don't have it all together. I've messed up. I am a sinner. That's when God is poised. The trap, the booby trap is set to spring on those who are of lowly hearts and realize their true station. Verse six. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, after me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now John was clothed with camel's hair. You almost pause right there and you're like, okay, here is what we know about Mark. Um, Mark is a very fast-paced gospel and he is including just the details, okay? Just the facts, bare bones. You know, he, he's trying to get us from the life of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, believe. Boom, that's, that's his aim. But he takes time to tell us what John the Baptist is wearing, okay? <laughs> Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. Now, if you know anything about first century Palestinian fashion, which I'm sure all of you do, um, John was not winning any fashion contests, okay? Uh, he, he, he is not on the cover of, you know, uh, Jerusalem GQ, right? It, he, he is in a camel's hair. That means they, they took the hair of a camel and wove it into uh, this, this strand and they basically made that strand into a cloak. And, and this cloak basically, you know, it was like a big giant garment and had a hole cut in the top for your head to come through and like your arms like stuck out the sides. And so that it wouldn't flap all around, um, they would have this big thick leather belt that was rough hide and he would just tie that around, okay? 
So Mark pauses here to give us that very interesting detail. Why in the world is he giving us this very interesting detail? Well, he is giving us that detail because this is what the prophets of old wore. So for 400 years, God has been silent. He has not sent a prophet. All of a sudden, this guy shows up on the scene wearing the clothes of a prophet. We see that from Zechariah 13.4, 1 Kings 1.8. They all dress this way. So it's pointing to the fact that John is a prophet of old. He's actually a picture of the prophet Elijah. This prophetic one is bringing God's word. He's, he's speaking God's word. Now, church family, listen. The prophet is the one who brought the word, and some of us today are looking for a breakthrough without looking to the word. God, I, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. I need a breakthrough in my job. I need a breakthrough with my kids. But you're not looking to the word. The, the prophets have spoken and, and God's very word is here. And so to look for a breakthrough in your life without looking to God's word is ludicrous. And so God is showing them in the very dress of this guy, that he is a prophet, that you do need to listen to what he has to say. So not only does it include his dress, but it also includes his diet. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and honey, right? Okay, this is organic, y'all. This is, this is organic before it was cool to eat organic, right? This is gluten-free, organic, you know, farm-raised grasshopper right here. What they would do is they would remove the wings, they would remove the legs, then they would roast that um, large grasshopper locust over a fire, uh, presumably to disguise the taste, uh, they would dip it in wild honey. And this is what he ate. Not only does his clothing and diet connect him to the Old Testament prophets, it is also a cultural declaration against the corrupt religious system that was happening in their day. So why does he look this? Why is he dressing this way? Why is he eating this, this type of diet? Um, because he is rejecting the corrupt system. The, the scribes and the priests, the Pharisees, they, they wore fancy robes. They had you know, nice big belts with all kinds of jewels on them. And, and they loved it when people listened to them and they would go through the city squares and, <clears throat> oh yes, I'm a prophet. I'm a rabbi. I'm, I'm a fairy. Look how important I am. And here's John in the middle of nowhere, right? Wearing camel's hair, looking like a crazy man. And God is doing something huge. So we see John's dress. We see John's diet. And then we see John's message. And he preached saying, after me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie as rich people would enter into their homes, the very lowliest servant of the home obviously would come and they would untie the sandals and they would wash their master's feet to wash off the sand and the dirt and the grime. And also uh, in those days, animals traveled on those streets and we know what comes out of animals. And so that also would be on the feet of those people. And so as the master would enter the house, the very lowest and lowly of the servant would come and untie the sandals, remove them, set them off the side. They would bring in the water basin. They would wash the master's feet and then he would continue you on through the house. It was the job for the lowest of the low servant. And John says, I'm not even worthy to do that for the one who is coming. John is proclaiming there is about to be a breakthrough and it ain't me. Stop looking to people in your life to be your breakthrough. This is the trap that we all get caught in. I, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. I need a breakthrough in my job. I need a breakthrough with my kids. And, and so if I can just find the right person to fix all this stuff for me, if I can listen to the right teacher, if I can read the right books, if I can get this person to affirm me, to tell me I'm loved, if I can, get the, if I can please this person, or, or if, I can, if I can just stop looking to people. Here's what John is saying. I'm just a person. It ain't me. I'm not your breakthrough. I'm pointing to somebody else who's mightier, who's greater, who's stronger. Listen, humanity has been trying to fix itself since the dawn of time. So we, we've tried education, right? If, if we can just get everybody well-educated, then society will finally be fixed. 
if we can just get rid of poverty, right, then, then society, then, then we'll be living in this perfect utopia. If we, can, if we can just get food for everybody, if we could just get education, if we could just end poverty, if we could just... And, and so humanity has been trying to fix itself since the dawn of time. And, and what happened in this last century, well, World War I and World War II were the bloodiest of all, and we're still killing ourselves. We're, we're still bombing places. We're, the society is still decaying, and we have not solved the problem. It's because humanity cannot solve itself. We need an alien solution. Now, I'm not talking about little green men. I'm talking about something outside of us to come and fix us. We need somebody to break through. We need something to break through because humanity is never going to fix itself. And that's exactly what John is saying here. It ain't me. I'm, there's somebody mightier than me coming. It's outside of us. He, us as a society, we've got to stop looking inward for the solution and start looking outward to Christ. Who is the solution? Who is the breakthrough that we truly, that we truly need? Then, then John says this. This is incredible. I have baptized you with water. John was getting people ready for the coming of Christ. He's saying, get your heart ready because Jesus is coming. You, you gotta get your heart ready, which means you need to be ready to receive the Lord when he comes. You, you need to have spiritual ears to hear his message. You need to have spiritual eyes to see what he's doing. So get ready, repent of your sin, and as a sign or symbol of your repentance, you should come down into the water admitting you're a sinner and be cleaned and cleansed. And so he was fully immersing them. They, they were totally consumed and covered by water as he dunked them down into the water and sent them on their way. He, he's, he's saying, I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The, the connection is they were totally consumed and covered with water when John did it. He's saying when Jesus shows up, you're going to be totally covered and consumed with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You see, in, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit of God did not indwell people. He dwelt in the temple. Now, the Holy Spirit of God would come on people for a moment or for a time. Uh, we see that when Samson, uh, like, tears down the columns of, of, of that great uh, hall that he was in. Uh, we see the Spirit of God rest on uh, King David in, in certain uh, aspects, but the Holy Spirit of God did not dwell within the people of God. He dwelt in the temple, and there was a massive curtain that was in between the Spirit of God and you, the people of God. But when Jesus Christ dies on the cross in our place for our sins, that curtain was ripped down the middle so that we could be baptized with the Holy Spirit, meaning we can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the living God to empower us for life and mission, to, to give us supernatural strength when we're needing that breakthrough. When the breakthrough happens, family, listen, that's the Holy Spirit of God working out His work in your life. So when the breakthrough happens, it's because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ Himself at your salvation. So He says, I have baptized you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the breakthrough because he comes to conquer sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you the brokenhearted today? Are you the downcast today? Are, are you the one who feels like you're trapped and stuck and can't move forward. Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. He, if you're looking for that breakthrough, stop, stop looking around. Stop looking for it. I'm, I'm telling you what it is. God's word is telling us what it is. Cling to Jesus for that breakthrough in your life. I, listen, I'm not making any promises of, of when or how. I'm not giving you three simple steps. Hey, if, if you'll follow these three simple steps, God's gonna do a breakthrough miracle today. Your, your bank account's gonna increase and you know, your love life's gonna whatever. I'm, I'm not making those type of promises. But what I am promising you is that Jesus, the God that we serve, has a reputation of breaking through to the brokenhearted. It is a part of his very character. It is who he is as 
the God of the universe. He's the God who breaks through to serve the lowly, the brokenhearted, the ones who are bound up, the ones who are trapped. That's our God. And so abandon all else and cling to him, meaning trust him, believe on him, meaning cling to him in in his very word. We, We can't have the breakthrough without the word. Stop clinging to people and things and philosophies and methodologies to get you through. Cling to Jesus for your breakthrough. Listen, because Jesus is your breakthrough. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this amazing introduction to the gospel according to Mark. We thank you that you have broken through for us, that you came through. God, you you could have left us in our lowly state. You could have left us alone, destitute, rotten, hating ourselves and alone. But you said, no, these are my people and I love them. And you broke through for us, God. You you broke through the 400 years of silence to, to come and rescue us, God. We need to be rescued, God. And so, oh, Holy Spirit of God, would you, would you come supernaturally now and give someone the breakthrough they've been asking you for? God, let our hearts cry out to you this morning. God, give us the breakthrough. God, I pray for breakthroughs in marriages this morning. By the power of the Spirit, I pray for breakthroughs, breaking through addictions. By the Holy Spirit, I, I pray for breaking through bitterness this morning, God. Breaking through anger, breaking through depression, God. We, we pray against the spirit of depression this morning, God. And we ask for a breakthrough in the lives of our people this morning. Only you can do it. We don't know how and we don't know when, but we're asking you, God. We're pleading. We're pleading with the God of the universe this morning to, to bring a breakthrough for us. And God, until you bring it and even when you bring it, help us to cling Cling, cling to you. Hold on to you like we're never, ever going to let go. With all of our might, with all of our strength, arms wrapped around you, clinging onto your robe to never let go. Help us to cling to you and continue to beg, oh Lord, we're the brokenhearted, we're the needy, we're the lowly, and we need a breakthrough, God. Would you, would you give it to us today? We ask all these things in the mighty In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, amen.